Welcome to Rosedale Baptist Church's Sermon Podcast, featuring the preaching of Dr. Don Paxton, Senior Pastor. It's our prayer that you'll be blessed by these messages. We want to extend to you an invitation to be with us during the week. We meet for worship at 1045 a.m. and 6 p.m. on Sunday, and at 7 p.m. on Wednesday evening for our midweek service. Feel free and download these messages and take them with you during the week. We are located on Lee Highway between exits 19 and 22. Also, be sure to check out our website at rbcabingdon.org. Again, welcome, and here is Pastor Don. So it's homecoming, I thought, now, is there a better place to turn for a message on homecoming than looking in Luke chapter 15? Luke chapter 15, I've called it in the past, God's lost and found. We see here, it begins, all the tax collectors and sinners were approaching to listen to him, and the Pharisees and the scribes were complaining, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And so he's going to tell a parable. He's going to tell four of them. He's going to tell one about a lost sheep, a lost coin, a lost son, and a lost sibling. And he is sharing this with two groups of people, publicans and sinners, scribes and Pharisees. Now, sinners were those who didn't need anybody telling them they were sinners. Everywhere they went, somebody wanted to tell them they were a sinner. I mean, they were in prostitution and everything else. They knew who they were. And publicans, well, that not Republicans, but publicans, Matthew was a publican, when Jesus called him to follow him, he was a tax collector. They were swindlers, robbers, cheats. So you've got that bunch over there that's out of God's will altogether. But then there's also the other bunch. And the other bunch are those self-righteous scribes and Pharisees. Those who probably some of them know the Lord as Savior but they're spending their time judging everybody else. And I promise you, in this congregation today, you're going to fall in one of those two groups. Sinners or self-righteous, saved, judgmental. And so I pray that you'll just ask as I do, that God will speak to your heart in these next few moments. And God will say something to you that will change your life today. That you might be more what the Lord would have you to be for his glory and for his kingdom. Father, we pray that we take this passage as we look at it today and help us to see it through your eyes and apply it to our lives. That, Lord, we might be everything you've called us to be. Father, we, we know that we are sinful. Although we may be saved, Lord, we still choose willful sin over and over again. And Father, we ask you to convict us and cleanse us today of our sinfulness and judgmental self-righteousness. But Lord, there are some here today that just don't know you altogether. They are lost and they have never heard the message of salvation. We pray today, Lord, Holy Spirit of God, you'd speak to their hearts and you'd bring conviction and clarity and they would receive you and the gift of God that you bring in life eternal. 
and just have your will and your way. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So with these groups, he, it says, so he told them a parable. What man among you who has a hundred sheep and loses one of them does not leave the ninety and nine in the open field and go after the lost one until he finds it? And when he is found it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and coming home, he calls his friends and neighbors together saying to them, rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. I tell you in the same way, there'll be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous people who don't need repentance. Oh, the lost sheep. The, the sheep was lost naturally. That was the nature of sheep. Sheep without a shepherd will absolutely die on their own. They can't find food. They can't find water. They can't defend themselves. Uh, they, they have no uh, sense of direction. And they'll die in their own filth without a shepherd to clean their wool to keep them from getting infected. But I want us to see the shepherd. Look at his compassion. He goes out for the sheep. First it says he's lost. He's perishing. It's the same word used in John chapter 3.16. It says, for God sent his son into the world that those who believe in him would not continue in their perishing. Without Jesus Christ, you are perishing. It's a continual ongoing process. You live in a state of lostness. But except for a shepherd that cares about you. And Jesus Christ is the great shepherd. And he came so that you might have life. And you might have it abundantly. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We are dead without the shepherd seeking us out. Because we're lost. We're not only that, we're loved. The shepherd left the security and peace of the camp. He left the herd and he went out into the wilderness to seek one lamb. Now he had another 99 back home. And you might just say, well, that's not bad. I only lost one out of 100. But this shepherd loves the sheep. Every sheep. He not only is lost and loved, he's alone. He's the only one. The shepherd knew when he went out, he wasn't going to find 10. He wasn't going to find two. He was going for one lamb alone. Oh, I want you to know if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, he loves you and he loves you. If you were the only one on the face of the earth, he went to the cross of Calvary just for you. Oh, the compassion of the shepherd who loves you and cares about you. But not only his compassion, we, we see also his commitment. He goes until he finds the lamb. He doesn't give up. He continues looking for that one lamb until he is successful. I want you to know Jesus Christ came and endured all the suffering and shame and the beating and the ridicule and the death on the cross of Calvary. And not until he cried, tell to lest die, it is finished. He came to finish 
what he came to do. And that was to rescue the lost, to save the lost, to find the lost and bring them unto himself. And that great conquest of the shepherd was he is victorious over death, hell, and the grave. He arose on that Easter Sunday morning. Death, hell, and the grave had no power over him. Everything Satan had to throw at him was defeated on that Easter Sunday morning. Hallelujah. That's our shepherd. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and shepherd, I beg of you, I implore you, cry out to Jesus. Look to him. He says, who of you who had a hundred sheep and one of them wandered off would not leave the 99 and seek out that one? He loves you, whoever you are, whatever you've done. I'm telling you, his sin will cleanse you or his blood will cleanse you of every sin. There's nothing so vile but what Jesus Christ didn't pay that price for you. But then he goes on to say, or what woman who has 10 silver coins, if she loses one of the coins, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it. When she finds it, she calls her women friends and neighbors together saying, rejoice with me. Because I've found the silver coin that was lost. I tell you, in the same way, there is joy in the presence of God with the angels over one sinner who repents. We've got a brand new computer and a brand new program and it's messed up. Because I can't tell you how badly I wanted you to see the picture that went along with this. It is a woman, and she is wearing, are y'all seeing it? I'm not seeing it. Oh, how come I'm not seeing what y'all are seeing? All I'm seeing is an outline back there. Oh, had me scared, I thought. Well, it's good to know. Now, look at that picture. When it talks about she's lost a coin, I mean, this is not her charge card to Walmart. Uh, she has lost one of these 10 coins. This headband was given to her upon her marriage. It is a sign that she is married. Like we wear a wedding ring as a sign of the covenant of marriage we entered into for Tina and I 46 years ago plus. And, uh, and so this headband... Notice it has 10 coins on it. Now, that headband, to her, the, the value of it, of that silver, is invaluable. You can't put a price on it. One of 10, but every single one means something. It's so important to her because of what it states. It declares her status as being married. But all, not only that, it declares her independence. That if something should happen to her husband, each one of those coins is a whole day's earning. And so that would be a tidy little sum to help tide you over. Or if a husband should abandon her, 
She would have those coins to fall back on. But not only that, it also declares her fidelity and favor of her husband. Because if the husband would be in disfavor of her, he would pull some of the coins off of it. And to wear less than 10 meant that she didn't have the full favor of her husband. So this coin means so much to her. It's not just a coin, but it is a declaration of her marriage. It is a declaration of her independence. And it's also a declaration of her fidelity and favor with her husband. But now the search is intense. One out of ten, she begins to search. And notice what it says she does. She can't find it. So she lights a lamp, sweeps the house, searches carefully until she finds it. The coin itself was lost in the dark. Without knowledge, she didn't know she had lost it. It was careless of her. Somehow, she lost that coin. But it was also lost in the dirt. If, if it's your reputation, if it's your testimony, that is her testimony. Oh, how careless we are with our testimony for Christ. How often we try to see how close we can get to the world and still walk with Christ. God forbid we live our life that way. Oh, it's lost in the dirt. She sweeps. But notice this also. It's lost in the dwelling. It's lost where she lived. It's lost in the home. It has an invaluable price. You can't put a price on what that coin means to her. I want you to think, what of great value would you lose in your home? Well, I'm going to tell you something. We're losing every day, and we don't give a hoot. I mean, Southern Baptists, the most evangelistic missionary group in the world. And yet we'll birth more babies than we'll baptize. It means we're not reaching our own children. Amen. We don't pray for our children, witness with our children, teach them the stories of Jesus. We don't read the Bible to them. We don't have family devotions. We're losing those things of value in our own homes. Doesn't seem to matter much to us. It doesn't change our prayer life much. It doesn't change our priorities much. We just say we're living in a different time. Notice this woman. Her success was indescribable. She calls everybody together. There is a great rejoicing. Let me tell you, there will be a great rejoicing when that child comes to Jesus. When they, they who were lost are now found. Your neighbors, your church will rejoice. 
But we don't care much about the lost coin. Lost sheep, silver, and now he turns the attention to the son. He said, a man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, give me my share of the estate. I have, I'm coming, I have coming to me. So he distributed the assets to them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered together all that he had and traveled to a distant country where he squandered his estate in foolish living. After he had spent everything, a severe famine struck the country and he had nothing. Then he went to work for a man, a citizen of the country, who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. He longed to eat, to fill his belly with the carob, the pods that the pigs were eating. But no one gave unto him. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have more than enough food? And here I'm dying of hunger. I'll get up and I'll go to my father. I'll say to my father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired hands. So he got up and went to his father. But while the son was still a long way off, the father ran to him and was filled with compassion. He ran and threw his arms around his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father told his slaves, Quick, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Then bring the fatted calf and slaughter it and let us celebrate with a feast. Because my son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Oh, lost sheep, silver, and a son. Here's a son that's lost. One of two. One of a hundred, one of ten, one of two. It's a harsh request he makes. Shocking request. He says to his daddy, Dad, you play dead. And give me my inheritance now. I'm not hanging around here waiting for you to die before I get what's coming to me. Give me my part right now. You just play dead. It's pretty harsh. Oh, the pain the father must have known. And then... A hard reality. He takes what he gets and he wastes it on sin. Now, understand the Bible says sin has pleasure for a season. Sin is a kick. Oh, man, sin is a blast for a season. And then it'll turn on you. You'll, you'll find that sin will take you further than you want it to go. It'll keep you longer than you want it to stay. And it'll cost you more. Than you were ever willing to pay. Oh this young man. 
he goes off to a far country and for a little while he's got money and he's got friends and then with his friends he wasted all. And then the famine in the land. Oh, what sin will do to you. You've got a Jewish boy who hogs are forbidden to him. Being around him makes him unclean. He can't eat bacon. He's a Jew. But now he's in a foreign country. And now he's sold himself as a slave. And his job is slopping hogs. Now I'm telling you something. I slopped hogs. From the house up to the barn. And there the pigsty and the trough. I never understood it. But Grandma Ada put that bucket outside the back door and she'd put the scraps in it. And it didn't matter what went in there. Vegetables or bread or cornbread or whatever's left over goes in there. Didn't matter. It always smelt the same. I mean, if French perfume countries could, companies could figure out what is it about hog slop that makes it stay with you all day long, they'd make a million off of it. Here's a scientific fact that's been proven over and over by a double-blind study. You can't carry slop to the trough without getting it on you. I mean, it's going to slosh on you. It's going to splash when you put it in the trough. I mean, when you get on the bus, every kid on the bus knows who slopped the hogs today. It just stays, I mean, it's rancid. I can smell it now just talking about it. And you, King Jimmy says he would fain fill his belly with the husks the swine did eat. He was eating the hog slop because he was starving to death. That's where sin took him. A young man who had a future, had an inheritance, is now a slave to a foreigner Slopping hogs in the muck and the mire of it all. Sin will keep you longer and cost you more than you were ever willing to pay. But there is a humble return here. There is a recognition. It says he came to his senses. I love it. It says that in the Old Testament. You, you remember Nebuchadnezzar, that great king over Babylon, walked down on his balcony one day and he said, I have built all of this. It's all me. And that day he lost his mind, stripped naked and began to run through the woods. And for seven years, he was naked running through the woods. His hair grew long, his nails like claws. He was like a wild animal. And then the Bible says this. And then he looked toward heaven and said, Now I know there is no God in all the earth, but God, creator, God of Israel. And that day, God returned him to the throne. That's the exact same thing here. This prodigal 
in the hog pen. Can you see him? His hair's all matted. He's got the mud and everything all over him. The stench, he's, his clothes have become nothing more than rags. He's emaciated. His health is all gone. And all of a sudden, he thinks, my dad's servants were never treated like this. I'd be much better if I would go back and be one of my dad's slaves. And so now, the resolve, I'll go back. I'll return. I'll make this request. When he left, it was give me, give me, give me. He comes back, make me, make me, make me. Make me a servant. Make me a slave. You see, I think one day, sitting around the farm, this guy come riding up on a chariot and he slides in and scatters the dust and he steps down and he's a door-to-door salesman. And he's got this flashy robe and a big ring on his finger. He's beautiful shoes and that young boy looked at that and he thought, I don't want to waste my life on this farm. I want to go to the big city. So dad, you drop dead. Give me my inheritance now. And he lost it all. But now he resolves to come home. There's some repentance here. But please understand something. The word repent is an action verb. You can't repent without action. What we do is we repent with intent. Oh, there's remorse for what we've done and who we've hurt. There's regret for what we've lost. But there's not repentance until we turn around. And he arose and went, that's repentance. There's got to be action in it. And he comes home to the father and look at the happy return. His father is looking for him. His father sees him afar way off. His father doesn't say, you're no longer my son. His father runs to him. And in that stench of the sweat of walking in the heat of the day and the hog slop and the mud and all that he's been through, his father hugs him and kisses him. Hallelujah. Oh, homecoming. Coming to the Father. When we have been everything but what the Father desired us to be. When he came home, the Father ran to him and he said, Get a robe and a ring and the Reeboks. Everything he thought he wanted in a far country, he got when he came home. The father had it for him. Kill the fatted calf. Let's celebrate. Oh, the celebration when a sinner comes home. Because the shepherd loves the sheep. The coin is invaluable. The son that was lost is now found. And all of those speak to the publicans and sinners who were there, telling them, please 
come to Jesus. He loves you. He came. He did all that he could do for you. But now he turns. There's still in the midst, scribes and Pharisees. He turns to the self-righteous. Now the older son was in the field. He came near the house and he asked what's going on. And the servants told him, your brother is here. And your father has slaughtered the fatted calf because he is back safe and sound. Then the older brother became angry. He didn't want to go into the house. So his father came out and pleaded with him. But he replied, Look, I've been slaving many years for you. I've never disobeyed your order, yet never did you give me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your assets with prostitutes, you slaughtered the fatted calf for him. Son, he said to him, you're always with me. Everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because your brother was dead, is alive again. He was lost and now he is found. Hallelujah. Do, do you see the self-righteousness of the older brother? Look what he says. I've never disobeyed. I've always done everything you wanted. Some here today can't rejoice when sinners are saved because they took their parking space. They sit in their pew. And children are too loud. They're running all over the church. We become self-righteous. We worry about our position. Well, understand this older brother's position in the house. As the older brother, he would receive two-thirds of the inheritance. Sometimes as much as three-fourths. All of that. So what little his younger brother did squander, there's plenty left for the older brother. But he's filled with pride. Judgmental spirit. He said, I've been productive in the fields. Oh yeah, everything looks good, but there's a problem. The problem of his heart is the heart of the problem. His heart is not in serving God. Serving his father. But only for himself. He's filled with stubbornness. His motive is self-righteousness. Working and earning his salvation. Instead of trusting and receiving God's gift. His manner is pitiful. He shames his father. And said you've wasted the fatted calf on this son of yours. Who wasted your money on prostitutes. You understand he's accusing the father. Of all that he's done wrong. 
shame the father. But listen to the father's petition. He's outside filled with stubbornness. He's not going into the party. The father goes outside to him and pleads with him. I want you to know the father's here today pleading with people who are out of God's will, filled with self-righteousness and judgmentalness. And he's calling you back to just an humble return, a repentance of confessing where you are and coming back to the Father. And here's the promise. I'm with you. You'll rejoice always. But you got to come home. Oh, that you would just come back to the Father. The sheep, one of a hundred, lost naturally. The coin, one of ten, lost carelessly. One son, one of two, lost to rebellion. And the other one lost to stubbornness. The Bible says the sin of stubbornness and rebellion is witchcraft and idolatry. God forbid if we'd come into the house of God, hear the word of God, and then in stubbornness not respond to the invitation of God. Do you know the Lord today? Have you ever come to that place in your life where you can say beyond a shadow of a doubt, if I die today, heaven is my home. I'm saved and sure. If not, won't you do something about it right now? Heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Make sure to visit our website, rbcabingdon.org, where you'll find both video and audio archives of sermons. Here you will also find information about our church, as well as our location. We're glad to have you listen to our sermon podcast. Have a blessed day, and God bless.